Welcome to C3 Church Tubra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. We're going to watch a video just now. It is a video that um, Pastor Julie would love us to watch. So let's have a look, church. Thank you. Yeah, for me, the gospel is about love. It's about grace. It's about the realisation that none of us deserve anything. You know, none of us deserve the love of God at all. It's, it's Him that comes and finds us. It's like that story of the prodigal son. You know, where the Father welcomes us home and, and I'm captivated by that, about the Gospel, that really, you know, none of us have done anything to, to deserve God's love, and yet He comes to us. He embraces us, he puts his arms around us, and he says, you know, I love you. To be compelled by his love, and to be so undone in the love of the Father that your identity changes, that you never feel like an orphan again, that you don't have a need to be needed. The value of something is always is always determined by the price that's paid for it. And heaven paid such a high price for me because God thought that I was worth it. We, we live by feelings. We feel guilty. We feel ashamed. We feel condemned. And the Bible says that feelings are very deceptive. It says the wisdom of this world is both sensual and demonic. It says it's full of self-seeking and envy and every evil thing is in that place. Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth and feeling the truth are two totally different things. A lot of times we can't really experience love because we don't know how God sees us. But once we know how He sees us, then we are to see others in the same way. He sees us as His children. He sees us as His beloved. And he sees the orphans that don't know Jesus yet. He sees them as orphans and he has this radical compassion on them. Yeah, I remember in my teenage years, you know, as the music thing came along, you know, just wanting to be it, you know. If if I can be the next best thing and save the world, then God's going to be really pleased with me. And of course, you know, stuff doesn't always work out as you want it to and what I've had to realize over the years is you know, d- despite what I do good or bad God just loves me anyway that is something that we do need and our generation needs is a revelation that God is actually for us not against us every single human being is created in the image of God created for dignity, created for the Father's love, created for kindness, created for mercy. The love of God is determined in this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet twisted, while we were yet whacked, when we were an enemy of God, 
Jesus came when we were yet sinners. And it says that Christ died for us. That, in this, the love of God's revealed. So if we don't see the cross as the love of God, that innocence hung on a tree. He who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God. So identity is established in realizing and recognizing the presence of God, the Holy Spirit there to help you. He's our helper, man. He's our counselor. So if something comes out that shouldn't, all of a sudden, what we don't do is sit in a place of guilt and shame for weeks or months. And once Satan pounds you down and you're in that place of guilt and shame and condemnation, it's only a short period of time before your whole life looks just like the enemy feels every day. He is completely affected and completely annihilated with the reality of the truth of who a believer really is. So when he tells me I'm worthless, I just freak out at God. And I say, Father, I thank you. That was the thief. God, I am so worth the blood of Jesus. You're my Father, and you chose me, and you loved me way before I loved you. You saw my mess, and you said, I want that one. So, Father, I thank you. I've answered your call, and you're my Father. Father me, God. Wow. I wanted to show you those three people. Who knows who those three people are? Really? Martin Smith, who is the lead singer of Delirious and an incredible, beautiful man of God, was the first one. The second one's Heidi Baker, who really is one of the most famous missionaries of our time who ministers to so many orphans, who has set up now 2,200 churches in Africa and who has seen miracles, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, you name it, she's seen it. But she has seen a provision of food through Africa. Even when there was drought, God told her to go to the leader of this nation in Africa and say to him, get 10,000 people into this place on a certain day and I'm going to feed them. And the leader of the nation was a non-believer and they advertised it out there and she said, all you've got to do is provide the bowls and God will provide the food. And she stepped out in faith. They didn't have 10,000 people come. They didn't have 20,000 people. They had 30,000 people come and over. And they just handed out the bowls and as they handed out the bowls, the bowls filled with food. It's incredible. The other one is Todd White, crazy, radical street evangelist who goes and, and witnesses to people at um, corn concerts, at um, satanic ritual places, just walks straight in and brings the glory of God down. I've seen him. I've seen him preach in shopping malls on the escalator, stops the escalator, going up and just starts to preach from the escalator and next to me he's got a crowd on the escalator of people crying, giving their hearts to the Lord. These are three very radical people and I just go, God, what is it about these three people and others like them in the earth today that are really affecting and making a difference on the earth today? And I want to talk to you about how you can be one of those people how within you is the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit. And you have the same ability to change the world around you. I want to continue on from last week for those of you who are here, saying that every believer, every believer 
has been given the Holy Spirit to affect their world and the world around them. Wherever your world is, wherever your world is, you've been called to affect your world and literally change atmospheres by the presence of God on you. Amen. So I can take you on that journey tonight. Amen. I'm Pastor Julie. For those of you who don't know me, you'll get used to me after a while. After you've checked out what I'm wearing and what colour my hair is, you'll realise I'm just a mum, a grandma and a darn good person. And it's all good. Okay. And I'm married to him. And that's an amazing feat. In a good way. Great way. After 30, is it 31 years now? Getting up to 32, my love. Yeah. Yeah, I was just testing you. In Isaiah uh, 64.1, Isaiah 64.1, there's a prayer there that Isaiah prayed. And he prayed this, All that you would rend the heavens and come down. All that you would rend the heavens and come down, God. He, you can imagine Isaiah, the prophet, you know, standing maybe in the middle of a desert, I don't know, in the middle of a field, in the middle of some mountainous range, just crying out to God, Oh God, that you would rend the heavens and come down. I mean, he must have looked around at humanity and the state humanity was in. He must have had this burden on his heart that he could hear the cries of the people. And he knew that God could intervene, if God would just intervene, if God would just rend the heavens. You know, to rend the heavens means to tear. That means to literally tear apart the heavens and come down. It actually speaks of an open heaven. God, if you would just tear apart the heavens, open up heaven and let whatever is up there just pour down upon this earth, we could see a change. Isaiah was crying out to God. Now, I know that, you know, over the years in revival and the years that we have followed God, we have prayed that prayer many, many times ourselves. Oh God, that you would rend the heavens. During the years of revival, people would be on their faces, fasting and praying and crying out for hours on end. Oh God, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And there's a great prayer, amen. It's a great prayer because when it happens... I mean, when you do rend the heavens, when God does rend the heavens and God comes down, things change. I mean, atmospheres change. I don't know if you've ever been near or around a revival. We birthed this church in revival. And I mean, there's a different atmosphere about revival. When Phil talked about that man this morning, that older gentleman, that Baptist gentleman, hadn't even felt God for seven years. And he was trembling under the power of God. His wife is crying. She's saying, my husband, my husband, I've been praying that something like this would happen. You know, when God comes, when God comes, when the heavens, are, when he rends the heavens and he comes down in a situation or he comes down in a nation or he comes down in a city, we know that atmospheres absolutely change. I know that during the Welsh revival, you know, you only had to go across the border and you knew when you crossed that border that atmospheres had changed. That, that, that people, as soon as you cross that border, people would be falling on their knees, crying out in repentance to God. There was no preacher. There was no great songs. There was no street evangelist. They just, the, the heavens were rendered and God had visited. And when God visited, man reacts. If the heavens were really 
ran open and, 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 and torn apart right now? Would we even survive the very presence of God in our midst? We cry out, God, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Would we even survive that visitation of God? I felt that presence. I felt, I felt that I've been in meetings where, you know, you just can't move. Well, you just can't even move and you don't want to breathe because the presence of God is so strong that all you can do is just weep and feel like dig me a hole and put me in it because God, you're so holy and I am not. Just the presence of God when it comes, the presence of God. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, this isn't a theological teaching about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is, is the very presence of God the very presence of God within us, around us, and through us. He's in us. He's on us. He's around us. The very Holy Spirit of God is so beautiful. And we could pray those prayers, and they're great prayers to pray. But I want to tell you something tonight. I want to, I want to tell you that there was a time 2,000 years ago when Isaiah's prayer was answered when the heavens were rendered 2,000 years ago we see here in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus Christ was baptised when he was baptised in the water and Mark says as he came up out of the water in Mark chapter 1, that the heavens were parted, that the heavens were rendered, that the heavens were torn apart. And it says that the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And it says this in John says, John goes on to say, and the Holy Spirit remained. On him. The heavens were rendered. The Holy Spirit was released to earth on Jesus and it remained on him. Wow. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When the heavens are rendered, the Holy Spirit is released and the Father's voice begins to be heard. The Father's voice was released to the earth and all those around heard the Father speak to his son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And from that point on, Jesus began to introduce the Father to the earth. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, he taught us to pray. Hallowed be thy name. Amen. Jesus saw something that day that was actually the answer to Isaiah's prayer. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, God, and come down. 
Jesus saw the fulfilment of that prayer. This word for parting or rendering, parting the heavens, parting, is the same Greek word that's used in Matthew when the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, when Jesus gave up His Spirit, when Jesus said, into your hands I commit my Spirit. And as He said those words, the veil in the temple which separated God and man was rent from top to bottom, totally rent open. And the presence of God, which had been behind a veil, was released to the earth, to people. And the very presence of God came to dwell amongst us. Amen. Are you excited by that? Hallelujah. This was a violent tearing. This was a violent tearing. This is almost like God pent up since the beginning of time since the fall of man, waiting for this moment, waiting for this moment when Isaiah's prayer would be completely fulfilled. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He rent the heavens over the life of Jesus, released the Holy Spirit upon Jesus so that the Holy Spirit would remain. The Holy Spirit would remain. And then there was a violent, like an earthquake. And the the renting of the, of the veil rent from top to bottom in such a violent way that the Scriptures say that the rocks split in two, that the rocks split. It was so violent. It wasn't something so, oh, I think I'll just... God was so passionate, so hungry, so in love with His people like a lover that couldn't wait one more second, one more second. The minute Jesus said, into your hands I commit my spirit. God says I'm set free. I've been set free to be with my people again. And He violently made His way out to be with people again. Amen. Oh, Hallelujah. When Jesus come up, came up out of the water, there was a violent rendering of the heavens. Now, when we talk about heavens, we don't talk about heaven. It's an S. Three heavens. It's the first, second, third heaven. First heaven is above us. Second heaven, where the prowls and principalities live. Third heaven, where God lives and His throne is. So from, from the very top, from the heaven where the throne room of God is, coming down through the second heaven where the prowls and principalities dwell and we're oppressing the whole of the earth. Right down through the first heaven where humanity dwells. God rent right from the top to the bottom and formed an open heaven that no principality or power could even challenge because it was such a violent rendering that it actually displaced 
Even the second heaven where the principalities and powers thought they had dominion. But Jesus' blood on that cross defeated every power, every principality. He was given the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus Christ. That the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The name which is above every name in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. There is no place where God hasn't rent and ripped open and parted to let the presence of God and the Spirit of God enter our world. There's no place that Satan has any hold over your life anymore. The only hold he has over your life is between your ears. It's called your mind. And God wants to change our minds. God wants us to come up. He wants us to stop empowering Satan by giving him so much glory. He has rent the heavens. He has come down. He has paid the price with his precious blood. And He has released over us an open heaven that each one of us should, could and will live in, in Jesus' Name. An open heaven. I want you to picture it for a moment. If Jesus Christ came up out of that water, the heavens were opened over Christ. The Holy Spirit then came down from the open heaven right through second heaven, right through first heaven and landed on Jesus and remained. Does that mean that we can live in exactly the same place as Jesus Christ? Does that mean that through His death and glorious resurrection and the releasing of the Holy Spirit, that we should be living ourselves under an open heaven, individually, corporately, that the heavens should be rent over our lives every day, every minute, that we should live under that glorious victory that Christ has paid the price for. Right under the open heaven. So picture right now yourself standing here and then where you are, looking up and up and up and seeing the glory of God increasing Increasing, increasing above you until the glory of God penetrates first, second and third heaven and splits and parts. And you're standing yourself under an open heaven, not by your works, lest any man should boast. Not by your fasting and praying, not by you beating yourself up. The prophets of Baal tried to do that, got nowhere but the heavens have been opened over your life because of what Jesus has done. So that every man, every woman, every child will be able to live under an open heaven and walk in that place every day, every minute of every day. If we could just change our minds, if we could just overcome the war that's in our own minds, that tells us we're not good enough, that, that we have to, you know, we have to score points with God before we can live in an open heaven. If we could just, you know, eradicate the lies within our, between our ears, in our hearts, in our upbringings. If we could just let God come in 
and just be real with us. And I, I said to you before, what is it about those three people and other people like that that make them so different, that make them so, so willing and so powerful to live under open heaven every day of their life? Are they specially chosen by God? Or are they just people who decided to not listen to the enemy anymore? And who lived and said to God under this open heaven, here I am, Lord. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down on me. Oh, that you would send your Holy Spirit and he would remain on me. Oh, that you would go deeply into my heart and change and transform me to become like Christ. The thing that is different between those three people and other people that are changing the world today is this. I'm going to go there because I love this. I have to go there. Let me just say this before I go here. I'm going to get to that, what makes them different. But I want to go here first. You have the Holy Spirit within you. And if you don't, you have a deposit of the Holy Spirit if you are a believer. And the Holy Spirit needs to baptize you to be completely filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. But He's there. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And the Father is jealous for connection with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit was with Him. And then the Holy Spirit was sent to earth. And the Holy Spirit is in you. Therefore, the Father is jealous for connection with His Holy Spirit. He wants to connect with His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit is in you. And if you, if you pull back in fear and intimidation, if you pull back in guilt and shame, if you pull back thinking that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, if you listen to the lies of the enemy and you're continuously pulling back, then the Father is grieved because He wants to connect with the Holy Spirit inside of you. And there needs to be a connection between heaven and earth. There needs to be an open heaven that He can, that he can communicate with the Holy Spirit who's uniquely inside of you. Because all of us have an expression of the Holy Spirit that is unique and a gift that is unique. And the Father is jealous for that and He's longing. He's longing to connect up with that. If we would just not pull back in fear and intimidation and guilt and shame, if we would not run to our sin so that the Holy Spirit is grieved within us and the Father cannot look at us, if we would just not run to our sin and if we would commit our hearts to God. See, Jesus did not live out of reaction to the powers of darkness. He never did. He never lived out of reaction to the powers of darkness. He only lived out of response to the Father. See, the Father is jealous of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the Holy Spirit, the Father, want to connect so that you're not reacting to the devil because you're walking so close, the Holy Spirit in you, the Father, are walking so close that you're no longer reacting 
to the devil and his ways and his accusations and his sin and his filth and all the things that want to bring you down in the world around you, your depression, your oppression, all those things that are just constantly weighing on you, your insecurities, whatever it is, your war inside yourself. You know, you, you, you get to a place where God, the Holy Spirit are connecting and so you stop reacting as Jesus never reacted to the darkness, but he responded to the Father. You see, he responded to the Father. He told us this, Jesus told us this, I only do what I see my Father do. I only speak what I hear my Father say. Imagine if we could just get a mindset like that. And we hear the enemy, you know, taunting us in our heads and and, and like my friend said, Todd White, how he says, you know, when I hear the enemy taunting me, I start to say what the Father says about me. That, that my Father is, 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 is so in love with me. That my Father is passionately jealous about me. That my Father sent His only Son to die for me so that I might live, that I am free through the precious blood of Jesus. Imagine if we started to, to respond to God, the Father. Respond to what the Father says about me. You know, go straight to the Father. Say, Father, what do you say? You know, they say this and I say that and we say that. My head's a mess. Instead of getting up every morning going, oh, depressed again and confessing it and saying it, and living in it. Why don't we respond to the Father? Father, I'm not going to go on my feelings, but what do you say about me today, Father? He says, oh, I'm so glad you're awake. I couldn't wait for you to wake up. I've been waiting all night. I'm just like waiting for you to wake up. And as soon as you open your eyes, I was like waiting, wait, like a little puppy dog, <laughs> waiting for you to wake up. And I want to kiss you all over your face, just like my grandkids do. They wait for me to wake up. I just had two nights with them. You know, I can just set my clock, 6.30, 6.30. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you're laughing, Mel, I know. 6.30, I can set the clock. And then I hear, Nanny, Nanny. And I run in there and I jump on the bed and I kiss them all over the face. Because you know what? I'm actually busting for 6.30 when you're grandma. When you don't really see your grandkids that much, I can't wait. I want to get on the bed, kiss them all over the face. I want to wrestle with them, play with them. I want to get it. That's where our Father is with you. See? God is looking for people who will live in response to the Father. There is nothing that can stand in the way of a people who choose to live like this. The power of the resurrected Christ lives within us and the devil cannot stand in your way. Jesus saw the heavens open and therefore every true believer has an open heaven <clears throat> over them. You know, it's not that we shouldn't pray for open heavens. Of course we need to pray for open heavens. Of course we need to pray for that. We're called to pray for open heavens. We're called because we know that, you know, if God visits a city, then suddenly people learn how to live in an open heaven over their lives. It just becomes a natural way of life. But then on the other hand, if we all got a revelation of how to live over an open heaven, maybe we would get an open heaven over our city. You know what I mean? Instead of praying, God, rend the heavens and come down. He said, I already did. Done. Tick. 
Live in it. Let's be a people that live there. You know, I believe with all my heart that we are called to steward that which we have been given. And as, you know, Luke was speaking about the finances before, you know, our finances, you know, if we steward our finances well, then they are blessed. Amen. Whether it's gifts that you have, finances, whatever it is, increase will always come by proper use of what we have been given. By being a good steward of what you have been given. Amen. The open heaven over my life will increase and over your life will increase. If we as stewards steward that place well that God has given us and even fight for it. Fight for it and choose to live in that place. As I choose to live in the place that God has given me, it's like it just gets broader and broader. You know, you might just start off, you know, you feel like you're open heavens like, beep, you know, and it's just like, feel nothing, you know, and then you, you, just, you just choose to be there. God, you just live in that brokenness. You just, you live in that intimacy. You, you live in that place. Even when you don't feel anything, you're throwing yourself on your face before the throne of grace and say, like your word says, I can boldly come before the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus. I don't have to feel anything to come there. I'm just coming there anyway. Because why? Because I've been given an open heaven. Because I've been given the rights to come before the throne of grace. Amen. So it grows bigger and bigger. I love this quote from Bill Johnson. He says, It grows bigger and bigger as you stand under your open heaven and steward it well. It increases like a huge umbrella that more and more people can come and stand under the shade of your personal breakthrough. Wow. Wow. So you see Pastor Phil this morning. You know, he just, after the service, He just reaches his hand to an older gentleman. He doesn't know anything about him. He just says, out of mercy and compassion, he says, let me pray for you. But you see, the thing is this. When there's been a deposit put in the bank, someone can make a withdrawal. When we've been living in that place of open heaven, and there's been a deposit of open heaven put in us, the presence of God is there. We don't have to work it up. Quickly, quickly, this guy needs prayer. I'm going to go and lock myself in a cupboard and pray for 10 minutes in tongues and then come out and hope I've got something on me. But when we live in that place, because God is jealous for that man, because God is jealous for connection with the Holy Spirit in that man, that man makes a withdrawal on the deposit that's already been put in the bank. And it's just like no effort. It's just like, we know this with the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus is walking the streets. He's not even noticing who's around. He's got crowds all around him. He's having conversations. He's trying to train his disciples. He's trying to talk to the people. He's got conversation, conversation, conversation. There's crowds all around him. 
They're all pushing against him. It's a big confusing mess. But this woman, this woman with faith comes and just touches the hem of his garment. And and Jesus said, who touched me? What do you mean who touched you? There's people all around you. What do you mean? He said, no power went out from me. Someone withdrew from my account and I felt it go out. See, we can walk around with an open heaven over our lives. And that's what these people do, these three people. See, they come broken before God in humility. They're not trying to be anybody. You know, you heard Martin Smith in the last time that he spoke. He said, I thought I could be a great musician, a great, you know, Christian rock star, which he was. And I would go out there and I would save the world and God would be pleased with me. And God just took him into the secret place, into that secret chamber and breaks his heart and says, Martin, I'm going to save the world anyway, with or without you. Why don't you just let me love you and be your dad? And we'll save this world by you loving me, me loving you, living in the open heaven of my grace and my mercy. And it'll just leak out of you. It'll just leak out in your songs, in your... Yeah, amen. Good. Before David was king, before David was... Everyone say before. Before David was king, he slew the lion and the bear while he was watching his father's sheep. The lion and the bear were slain in secret where no one was watching. And that's what qualified David to slay Goliath when two entire nations were watching him. Mm -hmm. There is a private world and there is a public world. And many of us want to live in the public world of the open heaven. I want to do the signs. I want to do the wonders. I want to do the miracles. I want to get up there and preach. I want to be important. I want to be known. You know, I want my name. I want to be who's who in the charismatic zoo. I want my name in Charisma magazine. And, you know, all these stuff. It's stuff, stuff, stuff. That's the public life. But if you have a public life and no private life, I'm telling you, your public life will be so short. But when you do the private life, when you just do business with God, like these three people have done, business with God in that secret place, when you get your victories when no one's watching, when, you, when, 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 when there's no applause from the crowd, when, when all your mates aren't standing around watching you do a miracle and they're like, yeah, yeah, go, yeah, you're the man, you're the man. We're going to put it on Facebook. But you're just winning those victories, those victories over sin. You're saying no to this and no to that. You're fighting in that secret place of your life that nobody sees, that secret world that nobody sees. You, 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 you've, you're slaying your lion, you're slaying your bear. No one's applauding you. There's no pat on the back. Oh, well done. Well done. Sometimes you can go years, 20 years. No pat on the back. There's no pat on the back. 
You didn't make it, you know, in the boys' club, in the girls' club. But you fought your battles in the secret place. You fought your battles in the secret place. You've chosen to live under an open heaven in purity. There's two things that you need to live under an open heaven. Sinless life. And I'll explain that in a minute. You're all looking at me going, oh, but we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, I know that. But we can choose not to sin. Okay? We can choose not to sin. And a fully empowered Holy Spirit life. A sinless life. Choosing not to sin in the secret places. Being, being pure in our heart before God under that open heaven choosing and then living a Holy Spirit empowered life and you will live under an open heaven you will live under an open heaven if you make those decisions in the secret places the victories that are won in the private secret places that are not for the applause of the world but are because I have taken a stand for the Lord have caused me in my own life even to see victory, to see triumph. I've seen a personal world be developed in God, a personal world be developed in God where no one's watching, where no one can applaud, where no one can pat me on the back and say, good job. If you steward your own heart, your own open heaven, when no one's watching, God will use you in your open heaven when others are watching. Because by the time people are watching you steward your open heaven in public, you won't need the applause. You won't need the pat on the back. You'll slay your Goliath in public and you'll be humble and sweet and pure and Christ-like because your open heaven will be just like that. The Holy Spirit remaining. And I love what Brian, Brian, uh, Bill Johnson says as well. He says this, If the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove sits on us, then how should we live and how should we walk if there is a dove sitting on our shoulder? We should walk and we should live with every step and every thought with the dove in mind. Every step and every thought with the dove in mind. The Holy Spirit living with us. I love it that Jesus, when He did all the miracles that He did on earth, He could have done them as God. He could have done them as God. But he chose to do them as a man. He chose to do them in his humanity. Why did he do that? He chose to do that so that he could model for us what we could do in our humanity if we just chose to live under an open heaven with a sinless life, with a power, Holy Spirit-empowered life. With those two things. He chose that. Amen. He was saying to us, 
These things are possible to anyone who chooses not to sin and to live in a Holy Spirit-empowered life. Follow me if you would like this. Just follow me if you would like to live like this. To quote Bill Johnson again, I just this guy comes up with quotes that I need to read for about three weeks. I just love his quotes. You know, if you ever go and see him speak, it's like you're trying to write it down, but it's just like, oh my God, I could preach on that one line for a month. And he says this, if Jesus had done these things as God, then I am impressed and I stand back and applaud. But when I find out that he did all of these things as a man, I'm no longer content to live the way I am. I am compelled by his example to live under the open heaven that has been given to me, to steward well the secret places of my heart, to be aware of the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We should not overcomplicate it. If I just do ABC, you know, if I... If there's a, you know, a 10-point sermon on how to live in an open heaven. No, really. Get your mind out of the way. Choose not to live in sin. Confess what the Father has said about you. Don't react to the devil, but respond to the Father and only do and say what the Father is saying, what the Father is speaking, what the Father is telling you to do. Have a relationship with the Father. Let the Holy Spirit abide and remain on you in every part of your life. Don't just take Him off and put Him on like a jacket. But let Him abide and live under an open heaven and be pure in your heart and win your battles in the secret places. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.